You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. It's just an old beat-up truck. Some say that I should trade up now that I got some jangle in my pocket. But what they don't understand is it's the miles that make a man. I wouldn't trade that thing in for a rocket. What they don't know is my dad and me, we drove her out to Tennessee. She's still here now, he's gone. So I hold on. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 87, the Sidney Crosby episode of 2, 5, and 10. Yeah, a little future, a little uh, pissing greatness. What up, Benny? What's going on? I can't believe that I'm going to be up in the bean in a week and a half for a Thanksgiving episode, Thanksgiving family extravaganza, and the year's almost over. It feels like 2020 never actually got started, and we're already at the end. I mean, I just cannot wait to cover you in mashed potatoes and gravy, my <laughs> friend, and eat it off. I am very excited. Uh, gravy gravy uh, belly shots. Oh, the gravy train is here, pal. The gravy <laughs> train is here. Um, getting into it, uh, not too much that has happened this week in the NHL, but I, I think definitely a few things later on that we'll touch on. We have the NHL players poll uh so some questions that were answered but answered by agents which definitely makes it different they always seem to have the inside track we're also going to go on uh the new jerseys that are going to be released on monday so some teasers that we have seen but first and foremost we're just going to stick with our with our teams we're going to stick with some bruins rangers free agency talk and then we'll get into the other stuff so benny you want to take it away you want me to go I'll kick off since not too much going on in Rangerland uh, in free agency for the first time and God knows how long. Um, really, it was all about clearing cap space and seeing what was going to happen with the restricted free agents like Shom and D'Angelo. Uh, I know for a fact that the Rangers were looking to see if anybody would bite on a Ryan Strom trade, see if they could get back a top four left-hand shot defenseman. Uh, once that didn't materialize, they worked out a two-year quote-unquote bridge deal with him. He's going to get four and a half mil this season and next. We'll see if he even makes it to next season. Uh, that depends on the development of Philip Hedl. Uh, but really, it's kind of a no-brainer move to bring him back at under $5 million per season because Hedl is not ready to be the second-line center. And there was really nobody else out there in free agency that was going to work out as a true second-line center and also have chemistry of Panarin, which... Say what you want about Strom's numbers being inflated by Panarin, but Panarin had his best year of his career with Strom as a center. So it's like a chicken and the egg thing. Um, so good signing there. He's still 27 years old. I'm sure there'll be a contender either this trade deadline or next summer or next year's trade deadline who's going to look at a right-hand shot, top six, top nine center who can play special teams and find a way to fit them into their lineup. So no concerns there. They also re-signed Brandon, uh, Brendan Lemieux to a two-year bridge deal. He got uh, 1.55 for the next two years, pretty in line for a bottom six left-winger agitator type who can probably pop in 10 goals if he's fully healthy. And the other big RFA was signing Tony D'Angelo. So he had his career year, 25 years old, really kind of blossomed as a defender this past year. Credit to uh, David Quinn and Lindy Ruff on that one, but he gets 4.8 
for the next two years. This is another situation where if he's even going to make it to the second year to Ranger uniform, mainly because they have Chuba and Fox on the right-hand side in the top four. They have some of their top defense prospects will likely be ready next year. Uh, Niels Lindquist plays the right side. And even if he wants to switch over to the left, uh, D'Angelo, which he's done in his in his career, you have Ryan Lindgren already there. You have Libor Hayek, uh, who saw some prospect shine on him. Then the Rangers, Ke'Andre Miller, Igor Rykov, Matthew Robertson, uh, Zach Miller. All these guys are on a cusp of kind of joining the Rangers at the Garden. So they might not even be a spot for him on the left side in a year or so. So D'Angelo and Strom, they're here now. They're filling roles. But I think as soon as this trade deadline, but definitely next summer or the next year's trade deadline, both of those guys will be on a move to fill some uh, roster holes. The other thing with free agency for the Rangers, obviously we talked about the Hank buyout. They traded Mark Stahl to Detroit. They had to uh, basically package him with a second-round pick for the Wings to take on his full contract. But that helps the Rangers' cap situation. But the thing that made me scratch my head the most was you had you have Brendan Smith on, under contract for one more year. He's getting 4.35. You just traded a second-round pick to get out of Mark Stahl's contract. He had one year left. I think it was 5-3 or 5-7 left on his deal. And you look at that and you go, okay, the Rangers, Stahl, at this point in his career, he's a league average third-pairing defenseman who is pretty slow. So you clear him out and like, we'll see who wins that third-pair spot to play with D'Angelo. Instead, they go out and sign Jack Johnson, one of the worst defensemen of the last four to five years, to a one-year deal for 1.15. So basically, you downgraded your third-pair defenseman and traded a second-round pick to get rid of the better player in Mark Stahl. So kind of a head-scratcher there. I know it's cheap money. I know if one of the prospects like Hayek proves he's the better option in training camp, the Rangers will not play Jack Johnson over him. But it's just really a head-scratching move to bring in a guy who is one of the worst defensemen in the league to play potentially on your third pair. And my worst case scenario is there's a hole on the left side of the defense pairing with Jacob Chuba. Last year, they tried Brady Shea. That didn't work out. They traded him. They tried Lieber Hayek. That didn't work. And then he got injured in Hartford. And then it was so bad that they played Brendan Smith there uh, when they came back to the bubble. They still have that hole sitting there. And my biggest concern is Jack Johnson has a solid training camp, and they put him on the first pair because there's no other option, and the Rangers just get caved in with puck possession when those two are out there on the ice. So really, that's kind of a quick recap. It's the only recap we can give for the Rangers offseason so far. Um, but yeah, I don't know if the Rangers have gotten worse or better. They lost Jesper Faust in free agency. We discussed that a couple episodes ago to the Hurricanes. So it's really, you swap Foss for Alexei Lafreniere. It might be better this year. It might take a little bit for him to get going, but this is definitely a team that's one more year away from being able to be a legitimate contender because after the season, Hank's buyout drops down, Shattenkirk's uh, buyout drops down, and then the Rangers will have pretty good cash space to start making some trades and moves, and hopefully their young guys take a step forward this year. And you are... Certain, because you referenced it a couple of times, that Strom will not make 
the full length of the deal. If the only way he makes finishes out the entire contract with the Rangers is if Philip Hedl just does not show any potential to be more than a third line forward, or he can't be a center. There's some talk that maybe he's better on a wing, and if that's the case, that's a crowded situation to get into. You have Buchnevich entering a contract year, who's a winger, Kreider, Lafreniere, Panarin, uh, Kako, Vitaly Krausov is there, Julian Gauthier is there, and if Hedl's not a center, there's not much room there on the wing, so something's going to have to give. But that's the only way Strom finishes the two full years in a Ranger uniform. All right. And by the way, Kako needs to step the fuck up this year. I, I, I know you were say, 19 years old, but like he came back, he looked good in a bubble, but you got to put it together this year, buddy. And do you think part of it is, is you come in and I know that they always reference the big ice over there, then coming over here, mm-hmm. it's a different game and, you know, it's a lot quicker. There's not as much room. Like you said, now he's had a year to adapt. So if he comes out and then he's flat, obviously, you know, you guys have a, a the number two pick on your hands with him. But you're also in kind of a really tight cap crunch. Do, do you think at any point you'd think about unloading him or do you think that's still too soon? Yeah, I still think that's too soon. And the interesting thing was just watching every game, it wasn't in my mind, and again, who the fuck am I? But it wasn't in my mind the smaller ice surface. I think he still played well along the boards. He protected the puck well. Um, it was really that he doesn't have enough. He had enough speed to get around guys over in Europe and in World Junior Championships, but not here in NHL. So he, for the first half of the year, kept trying to do that stutter step to the outside and then drag and cut to the center around the defenseman. And he was just getting guided to the sidewall by NHL defensemen and getting cut off. So I think when he came back to the bubble, he, he kind of spent that time off figuring out, all right, I need to adjust my offensive zone play a little bit. So he's not going to be a dynamic coast-to-coast guy, but I think from kind of the hash marks in is where he's going to make a, most of his damage, and especially on a power play. So just anything with him coming over the blue line's touchy. He just needs to get down low and go to work and... He'll yeah, I think there. he needs a puck carrier with him. I okay. think he needs a guy who can carry it through the neutral zone, get it across the blue line, and then dish it off, and then Kako do his thing. Kind of like a, obviously this isn't a straight-up comparison, but like a poor man's Yager along the boards. Like, just let him use his body, protect the puck, and then create plays for everybody else as the defenseman kind of collapse down on him and make openings and lanes for other guys. I mean, the good news is you got two guys who could definitely help him out there and Panarin and Zibanejad. If it's just getting him to a certain place, they could definitely, you know, get the puck around for him. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's why I know he played it rough last year, but Quinny kind of kept him on a third, fourth line for the most part. And I think this is the year that you got to get him with uh, on the Panarin or Zibanejad line, um, mainly because... I have a personal favorite, Julian Gauthier. I think he needs he needs to get third line minutes and play with Lafreniere because Lafreniere is another guy that can carry that puck in and set him up. So I think he got to bump uh, Kako up. The only issue is if Lafreniere shows he's ready for the top six, then Kreider slides over to the right side, and that puts it, pushes either Buchnevich or Kako down. 
So, I mean, we're in a good spot. We have like eight top six forwards, eight or nine top six forwards that we're trying to find spots for. It's just really figuring out the back end and clearing out that cap space after the summer. So we'll get there, pal. Yeah. <laughs> jumping up and jumping my guns a little bit. Looking for, I'm looking at next year's free agency cropping guys on teams who have cap issues next year already. I was going to say, I mean, it, it could be a worse, a worse way to look at it. If yeah, listen, if you have nine guys that can play your top six, it, it could be a lot worse. Yeah. And I'm just get through this year, have some young guys develop and then, no excuses the following year, which I think is going to be the make or break year for Quinn as a head coach in this league. Yeah, I think not that's this, the last year of his deal too. So th- yeah. th- that's that's crucial on both sides of things. Yeah. So talking about a window opening in a year potentially, let's talk about your boys whose window might be closing this year or next, according to some people. Yeah, it is a very strange concept of. This window now closing, I I know you referenced us as, you know, the Patriots of the NHL just by where we stand and how we've sat for the last 10 years. But, yeah, it's it's definitely different to look at. Uh, Looking at the roster right now, uh, Brad Marchand and David Pasternak both had off-season surgery, and depending on when this season starts, they will not be there for the start of the year. So just starting off the year, not a good look. Um, To go further, we have David Krejci on the last year of a deal before he is a UFA. Is he or is he not going to sign back with us? Who knows? Will it be, if it is him signing back, I'm sure it would be for a lot less of a cap hit. Currently at seven and a quarter. We'll see how that plays out. But speaking of David Krejci, his line mate, Jake DeBrusque, still currently a restricted free agent. They have not come to terms with him yet as to what it is or what it's not going to be. Uh, The other wild card on that line is Andre Kasha. And it seemed like in the bubble when we, we were going, he didn't score any goals for us, but he was definitely bumping and, and causing some havoc out there. And I liked it, but at the same point, it's only been a sample size. And mm-hmm. for me to think of the future and everything else, well, we have him one year at two six, and then he goes to restricted free agency. This year is a very big year for him. It's a huge swing year. If he comes in and this just does not work out, well, we we might have to relook at this. Granted. Kasha's a right wing. We did bring in Craig Smith, who solidifies our top nine down there. So maybe you could bring him up if you're nervous on Kasha's play slipping. Okay. The thing with Craig Smith, I keep reading a lot of guys around the league are excited to see him and they're saying like he's going to be playing in a top six no matter what. And I know when the signing was made, you were kind of iffy on it. Has that changed at all since in the preceding weeks after the signing? It, yes, it has. I, I do like Craig Smith as a player. He he scored over 20 goals five times in the NHL. He is going to find the back of the net. The thing I was the most upset about was we're looking at the potential of this window closing. There, there, like, There's no question about that. Like Next season, this could be a very different looking team. And 
I was just more on the hopes of them bringing in somebody with a bigger name to maybe if, if the team is going to disperse after this year, they're going to disband, go out with the bank, like, you know, bring, bring home Lord Stanley. Yeah. But with it, I, I like the Craig Smith signing. I think he does solidify our top nine when all the guys are healthy. Um, as to what is next is just what does Jake DeBrusque sign at? Because that alters another thing. I heard today that there are still a couple of teams that are very interested in Zidane Chara. Tampa Bay Lightning, New York Islanders, and who was the third? Dude, I wouldn't be surprised and if Toronto. the Rangers are sniffing around for he, so he could play with Truba for a year. Yeah, and Toronto. So Toronto was in on that too. Do I think Chara will sign somewhere else? I don't know. I don't believe he will, to be honest. But the fact that teams are calling and is Don Sweeney just going to be there with his hands in his pocket again, just kind of, ah, well, whatever it is, what it is. Like, I know there's no rush right now just to we don't even know when the season's starting. I get that part of it. But, I mean, if they're putting Chara on the back burner to see what they could finally sign him at, just because they're waiting for DeBrusque to sign. I mean, who's to say Char doesn't go, well, if he do, if he does the math in his own head, all right, well, they're going to sign Jake for four. That only leaves me 1.5. Well, you know what? So-and-so offered me two and a half, three. Like, I'll go play there for a year. So I just I just hope it doesn't bite them in the ass just because our decor without Char right now and Krug being gone, currently it's just McAvoy, Grizzlick, Carlo, John Moore, Connor Clifton, Jeremy Lozon. Mm. We do have... Your... Who would play with McAvoy? See, this is the thing I, I've been thinking of on my own, and I honestly don't know whether it's good or bad. I don't think that we could put McAvoy and Carlo together just because on the other side behind that, you get Grizzlick and somebody else, and then do you trust the other two that are left together and, and and I don't know I almost think that you need to have McAvoy on one line Grizzlick on the other and Carlo on another line like like you mm. almost have to spread that wealth around and have one anchor could, on each pair yeah I mean it's like I, I don't know if that will or won't hurt you and it's just a scary thing I, I was actually at Kyle's bachelor party and we were talking about Charlie McAvoy and one of the guys, we were just, we were betting men. It is what it is. But I, I said that without Zidane O'Chara playing next to him, I don't see Charlie McAvoy getting a plus minus over 18 this year. I just mm -hmm. don't think he is defensively sound enough to take on that responsibility. And I know other people. Is he people, like a Dougie Hamilton 2.0? Like, not I think even with the Bruins. He, I'm talking about like his he talent. He competes a lot more than Dougie does. Okay. I, I will give him that. And it could be because of his size. He's not as big as Dougie was. But I just think that when you look around the league at these cornerstone guys, they're cornerstone guys because I believe that their defensive play, like 
that's why they're there. It's because they're cornerstone defensive because their D play is so good. And I just have not seen the D play out of them. Like yeah. I, I see the offensive burst in them. I just don't see it defensively. And granted, Victor Hedman took a couple of years to develop too. So you know what? Maybe Charlie is that kid. But as of right now, I just I have not seen it. And I have two questions for you. One is, do you see actually a couple? Do you see a potential William Nylander situation with DeBrusque? No, because I don't think he's put up as many points as Nylander. Um, it's weird though because I do think Jake DeBrusque is a better player than Nylander is, but. Toronto put themselves in that situation as to how high they signed all those other guys for. Yeah. And I mean, our highest guy on the lineup is David Krejci at seven and a quarter. Do I think Jake DeBrusque is better than David Krejci? Absolutely not. Mm, Yep. My other question is related to Z. I know everybody's concerned about his age, but don't you think this is the year where they're not going to play a full 82? This is the year to bring in a guy like Z, and you're only going to play him 48 to 60 regular season games. You can even give him back-to-backs off if you want and then have him for the playoffs and get that last bit of gas out of him. Oh, I agree completely. Like, a shortened season. And the other part's this, too. They're worried about him and his age, and I know that that showed clearly through the bubble. But before the bubble in the regular season, I actually thought he was fine. Like, I didn't think he was as exposed as he was in the bubble. But if you're trying to tell me that if we sign Zidane Chara, he's our, one of our top four defensemen. He's up there with McAvoy, Grizzlick, and Carlo. Yeah. He, he's better than Moore, Clifton, and Lozon. There's no question there. There's no argument there. So it's like... I, I The Bruins need an anchor. And I think that's their guy that they need. Yeah, and the other thing that I wanted to mention was, do you think, or is there really no option here other than even, let's say they bring Chara back for one more year. Next year, this the core of this team, outside of the Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marshall line, could be pretty much gutted out. Like you said, Krejci's a UFA who knows that they want to bring him back for his age 35 plus seasons at, even if he takes a discount to like six and a half. Uh, then you have, um, I know how to pronounce it correctly, but I call him Casey just out of respect for you. <laughs> uh, he's restricted with arbitration rights. Nick Ritchie, I know he's not going to cost that much. Corrales UFA. And then you have Carlo restrictive arbitration rights. Rask is a free agent. Halak is a free agent. McAvoy, he still has one year left on his deal, but if he keeps progressing, he's going to command a huge uh, RFA contract in the offseason after that. So it's, they have to start putting away money for that, uh, for that contract. A lot of, there's a potential for a lot of turnover here, and it might be not a rebuild, but kind of a year or two transition, kind of like what the Patriots are going through now. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, just looking at it, so for example, Brandon Carlo, uh, Grizzlick just cashed in being restricted at 3.68. So now I I think that Brandon Carlo and Matt Grizzlick are two different types of defensemen. Yeah. So like, let's just square that away before we're having a, <laughs> like, you know. But um, I think Carlo's going to have to get paid more than Grizzlick. I agree. So, I mean. I think he gets four and a quarter 
easily. I was thinking about four and a half, yeah. Yeah. But then, like you said, so if we up him to four and a half, Charlie's will be at four nine for that year. <coughs> Excuse me. And then Grizzlick is still at that three set three six. All right. Well then, McAvoy is going to come out on the other end if he says if he keeps progressing. At least looking at six or seven. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if not more, depending on how good or bad they think he's going to be. Yeah. Yet again, the, you brought it up, the Tukaras thing, and that we have both goalies being unrestricted at the end of next year. And with all the questions regarding Tukarask, who knows if he's even playing after this year. Uh, and is that kid ready Well, to be number the, one in Boston for a, hopefully a contender? <laughs> the, the problem is this. I mean... Providence is delayed too. Like yeah, every, know. we don't know. And I mean, I do like Swayman. I, I I like him a lot. I think he's a really good goalie. I I like Vladar too. I, without all this going on, it's hard to predict as to where it's all going to land. I mean, Vladar came in during that game and the bubble and shit his pants. So, can we rely on that? Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. This yeah. is interesting. So I know I'm getting ahead of myself here. Next summer looks exciting for Ranger fans and kind of anxiety-inducing for Bruins fans, depending on what goes down. Yeah, well, weird that we're uh, flip-flopping, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I can have the run that you guys had, I'm not even saying it's over, but if I can have the run that you guys have had since like 2008 and onward, like I'll sign up for that any day. See, like... And this is the other part of it, too. Like, maybe I feel like I'm spoiled in a sense because we, we haven't dealt with what could possibly happen here for a long time. And, you know, maybe it's just that I'm accustomed to a certain way of living. <laughs> that, 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 that's all it is. But you, you want your hockey alimony. Yeah, that's all. Like, it, it's been a very long time since I've been in a purgatory like this. <laughs> so uh, I'm just trying to uh, live my best life here. That's all. Leave me be. <laughs> Uh, speaking about living best life, right before we got on and started recording this tonight, this Saturday night, we saw a mock or a leak of so that uh, Adidas and NHL have been teasing the last few days the reverse retro uniforms that all teams' uniforms are going to be released on Monday, uh, the 16th. And some of these teasers have been a little bit more exciting than others. And right before we came on, we got to see the more of a sneak peek at the Colorado Avalanches reverse retro. And it's essentially the Quebec Nordiques uniform, but in, in white and with the Avalanche purple. And as soon as that is released, I'm purchasing. And I just wanted to get your input on kind of what the Bruins preview was. And if you think it's worth a damn or any of the other teams that you've seen that you might be excited about. Yeah, speaking of that Colorado one, I was very excited seeing that. Uh, it, it looked incredible. Just I loved seeing that trim, it, and that's what kind of made it, it exciting to me. It's like it, you, you could see the trim over there, and it was like, that looks good. Like, yeah, that I love seeing that good. trim with the, uh, the Nordiques across the bottom there and that plate. So I was like, okay, n- now we're talking. Um. The Bruins one, from what I saw, or if it was the actual release or if it wasn't, um, it looked as if 
It was the Pooh Bear color jersey with a little bit of a retro B. And that was kind of it. And it, listen, I was not a big fan of the Pooh Bear. It just, it, it was, it was a little lame for me. Like it, it, it wasn't like a fierce brewing guy. It was kind of like when he came across a honey pot and he just kind of was there <laughs> with that. Um, I haven't seen too many other of the previews. I've only seen like color scheme. So I, I really want to see as to what they're going to push out there. Yeah, if you go on Instagram, NHL and NBC Sports, they have all the teases grouped together by division, so you can view them that way uh, if anybody wants to check that out. Um, I think, so the Rangers one, it's dark blue, um, and they have the shoulder patch. It's the same shoulder patch that they had on the Lady Liberty jerseys back in the late 90s, early 2000s. So a lot of people are speculating that it's going to be the late Lady Liberty jerseys are coming back. Um, but it's supposed to be reverse retro. Like, for example, Flyers, if everybody remembers growing up in the 90s, they had the orange jerseys with the white uh, strip going down from the shoulder to the wrist that were framed by black. This time it's going to be orange with a black stripe and white outlining. So that's kind of the whole reverse retro thing. So I'm curious to see like how they can reverse retro the Lady Liberty jersey. I hope and I pray to God that it's not another dark blue Ranger jersey that just says New York across the jersey <laughs> instead of Rangers. Um, please, anything but that. Like I'd rather see a, a red Ranger jersey over that again. Do, uh, um, do you like Vegas going red? I think it could be interesting. It's definitely going to look gimmicky on the ice because they have the red is so bright and then it's going to be kind of framed by gold and silver so it might look a little gaudy um the one i'm looking forward to the most actually besides the avalanche ones i'm most looking forward to the blue jackets one um there's a tease today it's a red jersey for the blue jackets and with a white shoulder stripe and also the coyotes one it's purple like it's purple and black with like a crawling lizard on it as a shoulder patch and I'm curious to see how they kind of turn that one out. What I do like as to what they're doing is uh, I like how on the inside of the jerseys, they're putting what year they're going retro with. So it'll be like, for example, like the Capitals, it'll be WSH and then it's 97 because they're bringing yeah. back the Capitol theme of the actual Capitol building. So I, I think things like that is cool as to what they're uh, referencing. One thing that I think is going to look unique I, I don't know where i stand on it is the nashville predators jersey so they're keeping mm. that gold and blue that they currently have but then their shoulders are going back to like their original uh gray that they used to have so they have nashville predators on the shoulder and then they have like remember the first predator that they had with like the long teeth and almost like yep. the skull looking one so they're gonna have that on the shoulder patch i don't know if it's gonna be the middle crest but they're at least having that on the shoulder patch which is cool yeah and any fans of outdated gimmicky hockey uniforms is gonna love that they're bringing back the ducks a uh, uniform that had the duck bursting through the ice holding a hockey stick. So apparently that's going to be the Ducks jersey. I think uh, whenever the season starts, so we'll leave it at that, it'll be uh, great because 
if you are into retro like snapback hats, like this is yeah, the you're gonna love it. Yeah, get those starter jackets and uh, the St. Louis Blues going back to that reddish color they used to wear. I think that's dope. Yeah, the Gretzky years. Yeah, and they get that old school shoulder patch with the big trumpet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this gets released on Monday. I don't know what time Monday, but once it once they are released, all work will cease for your boy here as I browse the NHL shop and see which one looks the best. Um, but like I said, when we kick this off, please God, not another New York. That might be worth going uh, going to the office that day so you can go to the NHL store. <laughs> well, I'm going to the office uh, on Thursday, so I might make a pit stop on my lunch break or on the way home. Yeah, I like that. All right. Um, yeah, the other thing we wanted to talk about, so the Athletic usually does these player polls once or twice every season, asking with different questions. This time they did an NHL agent sur- survey. They talked to 21 agents from around the league and kind of wanted to go through. They asked them, like, I think, like eight or nine questions, but I thought, thought there were three that really stood out. Uh, the first one was talking about which team, which franchise still needs to make a significant move. And this goes back to our, our first topic. The Bruins came in first because they keep waiting for the other shooter to drop when it comes to how they're going to, I guess, fill in the gaps with Parasonok and Marshand out, what they're going to do on the back end. And two quotes from scouts here are, it's Boston. The thing with Boston is that they want to do a youth mo- youth movement on the fly. You can't be a contending team where they're at. You either have to go for it or not. They're on a fence. Boston, what direction are you going to go? And the other quote is, I think Boston is a very legitimate Stanley Cup contender. The Craig Smith signing is very good. It boosts what could be the best top six forward group in the league. Maybe even top nine once they get their brush signed. But they lost Tor- Tory Krug and they need a defenseman. I do think their Stanley Cup window is open and will shut fairly soon. There is uncertainty with Tuka Rask. They need to find a defenseman. So I thought it was interesting that kind of you highlighted that, and a lot of agents around the league are looking at the Bruins and saying, "What's what's the decision here? Are you guys kind of retooling a little bit, or are you going for it while the window is still open?" And I I still don't know if Don Sweeney knows that. And re- regarding the youth movement, I I do agree. We have guys there that. Uh, they can make the jump. Uh, Trent Frederick, uh, Jackson Nika, Jakob Lobko. We've had Seneshin up for a game. Carson Kuhlman has been up and down. So they they just need to figure out exactly what they're going to do because say you just think mentally on the inside, we're only going to bring these kids up for call-ups. Well, you know what? Anthony Duclair is still out there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why we haven't rung him. He's one-dimensional, though. I'll say that, but he can he can rack up some points. Yeah, but if that's a guy that we can have that could just go up and down the lineup for us, and you can put him in the top nine if someone's hurt or to just fill a void in the meantime, I mean, he, he'll get us points. Yeah. Hoffman's still out there. I know he's another right winger, right-hand shot that you may not have room for, but he's still out there. Yeah, I, and, I'd love to take Hoffman, but it was just like you said. We just don't have the room for him, which sucks. Yeah, I think Broussard's still out there. He's a shell of himself, but in a sheltered role like Boston can provide him, I think that could be a good value signing. Um, just so it's clear, this, the team that came in second is Tampa Bay for this question. And I think that has more to do with their cap situation and clearing out room than figuring out what direction they're going in like the Bruins are. 
Um, the other questions were which team has had the best offseason so far? Coming in first was Ottawa, followed by oh, coming in first was Montreal, followed by Ottawa, Colorado, Toronto, and Washington. Uh, really, no surprise there. I mean, Colorado's had a great offseason. They still have a lot of cap flexibility. Ottawa's made some moves. I know they're still probably two or three years away from being contenders if all their kids or most of their kids pan out. Um, but Montreal, I think, kind of really solidified their forward group and kept uh, Petrie back there. And Carey Price is Carey Price. So I still think they're a, a bubble team, but I think they set themselves up nicely for they have a high floor. Uh, high ceiling and a low floor. So I think that's a team that's just going to be steady with potential for more. Yeah, agreed. I mean, with you on Colorado, same thing. Montreal, they're such a strange team to me because it's like you said, they seem to be steady roster-wise, and you just never know where they're going to end up, at least the last three years. So watch how that plays out. Uh, One other team on the list with one vote was Carolina. I agree completely. I think they got better. And one that I was kind of questioned, they got one vote, was Calgary. I was like, I, I didn't really think Calgary got better. I, I know they signed Markstrom, but... Yeah, probably just filling that hole of knowing who's going to start 60 games for you. I mean, I, yeah, maybe it was a mental number one, but I was just like, ah, yeah, I don't know. I didn't see it, but... Yeah, taking the contract out, I think, yeah, Markstrom, he's not a, a top five guy, but I think he kind of gives the room some more confidence, like the locker room of, okay, we got our guy back there. It's not going to be a revolving door where we're not going to know what we're going to get each night. So I think that kind of gives a boost to the rest of the guys, which is an intangible thing, obviously, but I think that helps. And that's fair, too, because, you know, I always think of the contract as opposed to (laughs) the other side of it of being, we have a guy to start 60 games, we should be happy. So, yeah, that's fair. (laughs) And the other thing that... uh, a question that I wanted to highlight that I know you said you have a name on it from this list that might be in Ranger Blue coming soon. Name the highest profile player you expect to change team change teams in the next year. Coming in first, tied for first was Patrick Laine and Jack Eichel, followed by Mitch Marner third, William Nylander, Mac Pacioretty, James Van Riemsdyk. That's probably a buyout. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury and Zach Wierenski. Yeah, I mean I don't think seeing Flower on here surprises anybody. Um, the Nylander or Nylander Marner thing, the, I, I find that very interesting just on the fact of we're agents. So, I mean, they usually have the inside scoop. They, they're, they all know each other. For them to put those two guys up there, uh, I'm assuming that Dubis must have made his line in the sand and said, you know, Tavares is staying and so is Matthews. You, you can call on the other two. With yeah. that... I think this is the difficult part of it. I I think Mitch Marner is world-class talent. I absolutely love Mitch Marner. But I think the problem here is the way that the Leafs have set themselves up with these awfully high cap hits, it's like I believe Mitch Marner is worth 10-8. I don't think William Nylander is worth 6-9. Yeah. So it's like, I think if it is going to be on the move, it would be Marner just due to people would be willing to pay the cap hit due to the production he puts out. 
as opposed to Nylander, where it's kind of just a crapshoot. And is that who you saw and you're like, hmm, maybe hitting the Broadway, Marner? No, I, I honestly think that cap hit is way too high to go to Broadway just along with everything else that's going on there. But I did have a guy that was at the top of the list. Uh, I think Patrick Line is going to end up there. Okay. I, I see a way it's just going to happen. Uh, currently for this year, he's 6.75, and then he goes restricted with arbitration. I just don't see it working out there. Um, they say he's a kind of a unique guy, quiet, a little strange. I think they're going to be calling you guys for K. Andre Miller and another one of your defensive prospects, Ryan Strom, and a pick. Mm. I will say, so I know Lane is a fantastic talent. I don't think, now granted, this is with hopefully some type of regular season that you can evaluate on, but assuming they get in at least half a season, if you see development out of Kako, Lafreniere, Heedle, I don't think there's we have much need for another top six winger because you have Kreider, Panarin, Lafreniere, Buchnevich, uh, Kako, Krasov potentially. So it's like, okay, let's say we make the move for Lane and we move Strom. So that bumps Heedle up to 2C. Maybe he is ready for that. But then what are we doing with, now we have nine or 10, uh, not nine or 10, like six or seven wingers that can play in the top six and prospects still come. So maybe you get Lane and you move one of the kids for a top pairing left-hand shot defenseman. Uh, you never know. But that contract, he's going to get a pretty hefty contract that I don't know because Zibanejad's going to get a deal after next year. And that's going to be $9, $10 million to go up there with Panarin. It's going to be hard to carry three guys like you see in Toronto making – seven mil plus a year and be able to kind of fill out the rest of the roster as you might need. I just don't think line a is going to come in that much higher. I okay. think six, seven, five where he's at right now is probably his ceiling for getting paid. And I think it's going to be an issue in Winnipeg because you see Connor there getting just over seven. And I think that's what he's going to push for. But the difference is Connor every year has scored those goals consistently. Uh, Line A came in, tore it up that first year, and then the last couple has not been that same player. I think Winnipeg is taking a toll on him. I, I think mentally it's not good, and I think he's going to see the blue lights in Broadway. <laughs> I think Strom's going there. And I think the one surprising guy, like I said earlier, where they might give up on him, but cash in while it's hot, Kako's going too. All right. I mean, Finland for Finland on that one. I'm not saying he wouldn't look good in Ranger Blue. I'm saying if the Rangers only had enough or they were willing to make one big move and cash in some of their prospects and young players, at this point I feel like it would be for a young franchise-level defenseman to play with Truba. And whether that's a Zach Wierenski or a Lindholm out in Anaheim, somebody like that, who knows. But, yeah, that would be... 
I'm not going to complain about Lane and Ranger Blue unless he started trading everybody for him. Um, no, I, I just think that you guys are going to be the opposite of there's certain teams that play a certain way. You guys would then turn into a team of a high-powered offense where basically RD will be exposable, but you're going to have to make sure that you put it in the back of the net because we're going to score at least four or five a night. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't uh, hurt to have a young franchise goaltender and a backup who could probably start for half the teams in the league. Yet again, the tough problems. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? The other thing I was thinking about with Lane, if he ends up, let's say he does end up with the Rangers, do you put him on a line with a right-hand shot centerman like uh, Zibanejad? Or, let, okay, let, let's do this. Let's say the Rangers do tr- include Kako in that deal. I highly doubt Keandre Miller would also be included in that because the Rangers see him as a potential number two or three defenseman who has size and can skate. So it, it would probably have to be one or the other. But let's say they move Kako. This would be the Rangers forward group. You would have Lafreniere, Sabanajat, Lane, Panarin, Hedl, Buchnevich, or Kreider. Probably Kreider. Then you have Kravtsov, 3C, who could be one of their prospects like Morgan Barron, Buchnevich in a top nine. And, I mean, like you said, that's formidable right there. Listen, in two years when this happens or at the <laughs> end of this year, and then he scores 30 from the circle there, told you. Dude, two power play niche. You can have Zibanejad lining up as the right-hand shot on power play one, and on PP2 you have Lana. Well, I was going to say, and I don't even think you need to put a defenseman out there. You could just no. go all forwards. <laughs> um, do you have anything else you want to add about that? or No, just that. I just I think that with the Toronto thing, that certain guys are valued higher and that line A will be in Ranger Blue. Uh, now, you, now you're going to have me spend the rest of my Saturday night and I'll set the first lady by looking at cap projections and putting out trade proposals at cap friendly. I, and I did that last time to you, but uh, you did send me a really good one about what you did project the Rangers as when you did all the bets. Yeah. So that, that's fair. Um, <laughs> all right. So moving on, we have today in NHL history for November 14th. It's odd to be giving in season today in NHL history stats while we're in a current off season. It's really throwing me off. Uh, but I got two this week. 1998, Brett Hull becomes the 53rd player in NHL history to reach the 1,000-point mark when he scores two goals and has an assist to help the Stars defeat the Bruins 3-1. to And the other one I have this week is... Where did it go? Uh, there it is. All right, Jim, Tim Jackman of the New York Islanders scores the fastest goal in NHL history by a player celebrating his birthday. Jackman, who is playing on his 28th birthday, scores six. 16 seconds into a 5-4 shootout loss to the Florida Panthers. <laughs> Tim Jackman. Who was a who was your guy that went in and scored Marek Malik, right? In the shootout? Oh yeah, in the shootout like the first <laughs> year against uh, the Capitals. Like, yeah, I remember it was like what the 17th round or something? Like yeah, legit 16th the last round. guy to go. Marek Malik between the legs roots it and if you can go on YouTube and watch that clip you'll hear John Davis and JD and that's that clip gives you a reason, a glimpse into why Ranger fans love him. Just giggling like a little boy at the fact that Merrick Malik just did that on national TV. What a guy that Merrick Malik. Who do you got for shout outs? 
Uh, shout outs this week. Uh, actually, we have our biggest fan, Bobo, came up today, and he was helping me do leaves in the yard. So, b- big shout That's out to Bobo. That's kind of an oxymoron there, calling him the biggest fan. Yeah, I know, I know. It might be a lie. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, do we have a sh- you know the size of my yard. I have a massive yard. Yeah. So, there was a shit ton of leaves that finally came down, and today was the day to get rid of them. So, me, Redder, Bobo, uh, Big Kev came by. We were just humming leaves, so currently out on my front lawn, there's a whole bunch of leaves for uh, the trash and recycling guys to pick up this week. So thank you there. Um, who else did I have? I had someone I, I completely forgot, so I, I'm going to defer to you. All right, shout out this week. Uh, I posted this on Instagram, uh, and you noticed this, but your boy's going to become a pup father once again haven't had a dog since i graduated or the year before i graduated college i grew up with german shepherds um so we're adopting a eight week old corgi puppy right before christmas is when she'll be ready for pickup officially naming her kobe so anytime that uh, anything gets thrown in the trash i'll make sure to hold her up and be like kobe and have her throw it in um, and also a shout out this week to Stratford, mainly because kiss my ass about the audio problems. How about that one? <laughs> I don't know if he'll take that as a shout out or not. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> <coughs> oh, well, everybody, thank you as always for listening. Um, we're just winging it here as kind of you are as to the NHL and what's next and where to go. So I'm not going to tell you when. Maybe uh, when I'm up in Boston for Thanksgiving, I'll do a, a tipsy podcast. Oh, no, no, we're definitely doing that. I don't know when that'll drop, but, yeah, we'll definitely do one of those. That'll <laughs> be good. And, uh, yeah, I guess it all depends on what everyone's uh, Thanksgiving plans are and everything else. Maybe we'll have a special guest or two for that one and just be, yeah, completely buckled and taking a belly button gravy shot. <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right, buddy. Well, uh, drink up. And, uh, everybody, we will see you for the next episode of 2, 5, and 10, whenever that'll be. Catch y'all then. Bye-bye. Didn't know what time it was The lights were low, oh, oh I leaned back on my radio, oh, oh Some cat was laying down some rock and roll Not a soul is Then the loud sound it seemed to fight like a slow voice on a wave of bass, that one no DJ, that was hazy cosmic ties. There's a starman waiting in the sky. He'd like to come and meet us, but he thinks he'd blow our minds. There's a starman waiting in the sky. He's told us not to blow it. Does he?